Hey, if you got your analog Bible with you, Luke chapter 18 is where you need it to be. A couple things before we dive in. First of all, I know watching a sermon online is probably not your favorite thing to do. I also need you to know that our church is not a service. We have a service, so I'm glad you're tuning in. But what we want for you goes way beyond just you watching a message online or worshiping with us online. We're trying to connect you to God's purpose. And in a time like this, that's proving to be increasingly difficult, which depending on how you're watching this, I need you to know that some of you are getting a more interactive experience than others of you. So if you're just watching this on our website or on Facebook, or just simply on YouTube, you don't have the same tools available to you as people watching it on our online platform, newanthem.online.church, newanthem.online.church. If you're watching it there, you can do so much more. You can chat with us. That's fun. You can request prayer. You can click a button and get more information about salvation. You can give which the reason I point that out is because we're in process of developing a plan to help people who have lost their jobs. So as you're able to give, please don't stop giving because we want to be of help to those who are still in need. And if you are in need, again, you can use that button on newanthem.online.church and request information or just ask for help, whatever it is for you. So uh, secondly, the other thing that I want to say is, Thank you. I just want to send a huge thank you to everybody who has made this online stream even possible. How about the band? Let's say thanks to the band. They were awesome, and they did a fantastic job, and they devoted hours of their time, you know, so we could uh, record and stream and do all of that. And thanks to the production people who set up, like, the lights and the speakers and the cords and everything, and the setup people who allowed us to go to the school and get everything we needed and then put everything up in here. And thanks to Sherry, who devoted a bunch of her time to figuring out newanthem.online.church. And uh, the Rhythm Kids folks, who I don't know if you saw this, got a Facebook page put together. So you can now do uh, Rhythm Kids at home and you can be the pastor of your kids as it was designed to be. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Huge thank you. Really, it's been awesome to see the hours and hours of time put in by faithful people just so we could continue trying to impact the communities where God has put us. And we're going to do whatever it takes. We're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep striving. We're going to keep figuring out ways for us to get together. And what you have to hear me say is at the end of all this, when finally these bands are lifted and it's summer and it's warm, and we're going to have a huge party. And we're going to get inflatables, and we're going to have food, and we're going to have sweet tea and lemonade, and come on, like, who knows Arnold Palmer's, and like, it's going to be an amazing time. And we're going to be better for it, and God's going to be glorified because of the time that we put in, even right now. So until then, we're here in the studio, part four of a series of talks called Hidden in Plain Sight. During these weeks that we've been together, we've been exploring some of the parables that Jesus told. And even though I knew that we were going to be in the series like six months ago, and I knew that we were going to be in a specific parable even today, a long time ago, because God is God and I am not, God has for us a very, very timely 
message that I think he wants you to hear, particularly when you consider all that's going on in the world. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Let that sink in. We should always pray and never give up. Are you scared? you nervous? you just fine? Doesn't matter. According to Jesus, you should always pray and never give up. One day Jesus told his Bibles, parable to show, they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice. Because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant them justice quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? God, thank you for your word. We are hoping to be one of those that the Son of Man returns to find having faith. We're here to hear from you. We know that because you are God, you can use this medium of the internet and technology to continue to speak to us through the power of your word. We're asking you to do what only you can do. Give us your spirit. Give us eyes to see, ears to understand. Help us at the end of this time together be one step closer to your son Jesus and help us make an impact in the world and community that you have placed us. We ask this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. So we have a widow who comes to a prejudiced judge and pleads her case for justice. She needs help. She's being oppressed by an enemy and she wants this local authority to use his rule to obtain her relief. Now, right out of the gates, you should know that this is supposed to be symbolic of us. We are like the widow. Her only source of help is a judge. Our only source of help is God. So the argument of the parable is not that if you can wear out an unjust human judge, you stand a chance at wearing out God and that he'll answer your prayer just to get you off his back. No, persistent prayer, prayer changes us, not God. But I'll come back to that. First, jot this down if you're taking notes. You cannot correct what you're unwilling to confront. That's the whole point of my message. You cannot correct what you're unwilling to confront. Keep in mind the reason that Jesus is telling this parable to his disciples. What did we just read? That you should always pray and never give up, right? So one of the things that I've been trying to get you to think about as we've been exploring these parables of Jesus is I want you asking yourself the question, well, who in this parable is like me? Who am I like? Which character symbolizes me? Now, we have to be careful about that because in the end, the parable is about Jesus, not about us. But on some level, we should ask ourselves, well, which character am I like? Which character am I unlike? 
Who do I relate to? How do I relate to them? Why do I want you to do that? Because you can't correct what you're unwilling to confront. And so you need to figure out, is Jesus trying to speak to me? So let's talk about the judge. A judge that we know only two things about. Number one, he does not fear God. And number two, he does not respect people. Which those are like the only two criteria for being a good judge. Aren't they? That you love God and you're afraid of God and that you care about people. So he's 0 for 2. This is a bad resume for a judge on an election year. This brother better hope that there are some hanging chads on the ballot in Florida or something in order for him to be re-elected. But if this man doesn't fear God, it means that he doesn't care about the laws of God. He doesn't care about the word of God. And he doesn't anticipate that he'll have to die and stand before God and give an account of his life to God. And he doesn't believe in a capital J judge or a heaven or a hell or an eternal consequence for obedience or disobedience. As a result, to some degree, he's going to live how many of us have lived or are still living. To be fair, sometimes we all still live this way. And he lives as if he were his own God. He lives as if he's a law all unto himself. There's no authority over him. There's no accountability that he needs to be concerned about. He sits on his throne and he renders verdicts in his little kingdom. He's a dangerous man who does what is convenient, not necessarily what is correct. Secondly, we know that this man does not like people. He doesn't care for people. He's the kind of guy that if you're suffering, it doesn't matter to him. If you're victimized, he doesn't care. If you're ripped off, whatever, it doesn't affect his pocketbook. So why should he care about you? You should have the idea that he's a bad banana with a greasy black peel. Grinch, come on, somebody. Nonetheless, he eventually gives this woman what is just. And this is important because some of us, we just give in. If somebody's pushy or demanding or rude or we just bossy, we just cave in, let them have whatever they want. And it starts with our kids when they're little, doesn't it? If you have kids, isn't this how they do it? They usually demand something either at the grocery store or at a sporting event because there's an audience for them to be noticed by in those places. And it's basically a hostage negotiation. So they say, I want a Mountain Dew and a candy bar. And you're like, uh, no. So they say, okay, then I'm going to have a nervous breakdown in front of all these people. I'm going to make it seem like you assault me or that you're a stranger who has abducted me. And then we as parents say, what do you want? A candy bar? If you stop, I will give you whatever it is that you want. Now, the point is we should not give children or adults who are pushy and rude and demanding and bossy and inappropriate whatever it is that they want. But you cannot correct what you're unwilling to confront. Some of you don't want to confront that fact that you just cave in. And this woman, all she wants is justice. Which, hear me, we should give justice. We should give what is right. If someone has been abused, we need to help them. If someone has been victimized, we need to defend them. If someone cannot defend themselves, we need to stand up alongside of them. If someone is poor for an unjust cause, we need to be generous with a loving heart. We don't give everybody everything all the time, whatever it is that they want. But we should pursue that which is holy and righteous and just and good. So before I ask you if you're like the widow, I need to ask you, how are you like the judge? Because my fear is that we're a culture of victims. 
People love to play the victim card. It tends to put us in a position of power where we have people that need to owe us something. So the result is we often see other sin against us more clearly and more quickly than we see our own sin against others. Now the truth is we have been sinned against like the widow, but we're also sinners like the judge. And we too have victims. So I want you to think about, in hearing this story, what people would think that you remind them of the judge. And you can't correct what you're unwilling to confront. So I wonder, do you fear God? Do you truly respect God, revere God, honor God, obey God, submit to God, follow God? Or are you like the judge who says, God does not matter in my life, who God is, what God does, what God says in his book, it's really of no importance to me. Maybe you think there is no God. So when you die, you will not stand before God. You don't believe in a heaven or a hell, and there is no consequence, there is no judgment. Or maybe you believe, I'm better than most people. I ain't killed anybody. So it'll probably work itself out in the end. All of that is no fear of God, no respect for his word, no regard for what he says. And so you need to figure out, am I like that? Because that's where all the judges' troubles began, with no fear of God and no respect for people. To that point, you need to figure out, do you care about people? Do you truly love and honor people, not just in theory, but in practice? See, this woman, she is suffering an injustice, and this man does nothing. He says nothing. He's in a position where he could serve her and help her and bring her restitution, and he doesn't. The judge's sin is a sin of omission. Like someone has sinned against her, that's a sin of commission. They participated in the sin. If somebody's done something wrong, that's a sin of commission. But this judge's sin is a sin of omission. He knew what he ought to do, and he didn't do it. He could render a verdict, and he doesn't. So who could you be helping, and you're not? Who could you be serving? And you're not. Who could you be defending? And you're not. You say, well, I didn't do anything. Well, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. The point is, James 4.17, he who knows the good he ought to do, and he doesn't do it, it's a sin. It's a sin. So if we looked at your schedule, does it reveal a care for people? If we looked at your budget, does it reveal a real care for people? Or are you like the typical person today who has an attitude of care, but not a lifestyle of compassion? By definition, that's hypocrisy. You say, well, I really care about people. Well, who are you really helping? You say, well, I, really, I love them in my heart. Well, that's good. Try loving them with your wallet. Try opening up your mouth. Try getting your hands dirty. Try really investing into people. Love is what you do. It's an action. It's a verb. Don't rob somebody of a blessing by not ever saying anything or doing anything to help them. Encourage them. I mean, with all the videos that we've all seen of these people fighting over toilet paper and hand sanitizer, we could probably use a little more care and concern in our culture. Apparently, we've lost that somewhere along the way. Which goes along with my next question. When someone is vulnerable, do you protect them? Or do you exploit them? This woman, she's vulnerable. Apparently, she has no extended family to care for her, and her husband dies. In this culture, she does not have a good status under the law. Women in this day and at this point in history are not highly viewed. 
And she has no man to represent her. She can't even testify in court according to the laws of the Jewish people. And she can't afford uh, any legal recourse, clearly, because she's harassing a judge. And so what does the judge do? He exploits that. He ignores her case. He dismisses her. He simply doesn't care. And you and I have to ask ourselves who in our life is vulnerable, you teachers, coaches, parents, bosses, managers, leaders of various sorts and kinds, each of us has some sphere of authority and influence. And the question is, when we're dealing with people who are vulnerable, do we protect them? Or do we exploit them for our own benefit? We've got to ask ourselves that question all of the time because we cannot correct what we're unwilling to confront. So when we meet somebody who's vulnerable financially or vulnerable spiritually or vulnerable physically or vulnerable emotionally, are we like the judge to them? Do we cease to protect them? Do we take advantage of them? Or do we help them? Because if we do any of these other things or we do nothing, according to the Bible, it's a sin. Now the good news is Jesus paid for your sin. So that can all be forgiven, but at the end of the day, you still got to make some changes. So how are you like the judge? And I asked that of myself as well. How am I like the judge? In addition, we need to know how are we like the widow? Is there something good that we need to keep striving for? She keeps striving for justice. What do you need to keep striving for? Put whatever word you want in there. Do I have grit? Do I have determination? Do I have persistence? Consider first that this woman is staring into the face of a great adversary, a powerful judge against a penniless widow. And she wants justice, so she pursues it. She strives vigorously after it and continually after it. And I wonder, what is it that you need to be fighting for? I would argue that at this point in our world, we need to figure out how to fight for each other and how to help each other other and staying connected and it's going to be easy to disengage and just throw up her hands and say well this is going to change everything and i can't do it and uh, this is not what god is looking for god is looking for people who are going to be faithful to him and still care about the people that he has placed in this world god is looking for us as his people to pray and never give up and keep on fighting for each other how do I know? Because 2 Corinthians 1 says, The God of all comfort comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that, so that we can comfort those in their trouble. Paul goes on to say, God has delivered us from such a deadly peril. He will deliver us again. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us as you help people by your prayers. That's how you help people, by your prayers. You starting to see a pattern? Persistent prayer and protection of people. That's what God's after. Persistence in prayer and protection of people. Now here's the thing that we have to ask ourselves. That whatever this is for you, whatever this is for you, is this worth fighting for? You need to ask that. Is this worth fighting for? Just so you know, not everything and everybody is worth fighting for. 
Some of you are fighters and warriors, and you're going to want to fight for everything. And you say, 10-person ban, that don't apply to me. I'm freedom to assemble and freedom to gather, and I'm going to do whatever. I, and it's spring break, and I'm going to go to the beach. And you can't stop me from going, who are you to tell me what to do? And I'm young, and I'm immune, and, and under the auspices of being like a judge, do whatever I want. But that's not helpful. This is not the fight that we need to have right now. Yet what I'm more concerned about is some of you, you won't fight for anyone or anything. And so it's not that you're a warrior. You, you just won't fight. Feel free to pick something. Because the point of the parable was knowing what you're for. This woman was for justice. And you've got to prayerfully and carefully consider what and who you are for. What are you for? What things are worth fighting for? Jesus? Worth fighting for. Your family, worth fighting for. The church, worth fighting for. Justice, worth fighting for. Oppressed, single moms, kids, abuse, victims, all worth fighting for. What things has God burdened your heart to be fighting for? Not that you want to be a contentious person, but you want to be a persistent person pursuing the things that the Spirit of God has laid upon your heart. Now, in my experience, most people know what they're for. Uh, most people have an understanding of what's in their heart and what they want to pursue. They're just afraid. And so maybe during this time of craziness and sickness and fear and all of that, uh, you're just scared. Uh, so the question that I want you to prayerfully consider is how can your fear of God help you overcome this fear that's in your heart? How can your... Because remember what Proverbs said from last week? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so we need to fear the Lord, but how can the fear of the Lord help us overcome the fear that's in our heart? Well, Proverbs 29, 25 goes on to say, the fear of man is a trap or a snare, which means the only way to overcome this problem of fear that's in your heart is to replace it with the fear of the Lord. We have to replace that fear that's in our heart and the fear of man with the knowledge that God is in control. We need to start respecting God more than we fear each other. What God says needs to guide our decision-making. What God says needs to decide our decision-making. Our goal needs to be, like we talked about last week, when we stand before God, will He say, Well done, good and faithful servant. I entrusted you with little things. Here are amazing more things. Enter into the joy of of my master or to say it another way the joy of the lord should drive the decisions of our life the joy of the lord needs to drive the decisions of our life are there things in this world that you need to be afraid of absolutely but is god the one who's driving the fear that's in your heart and the decisions that you're trying to make. Timothy tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity. That he's given us a spirit of courage. And so we need to rally up. And we need to start fighting for each other. And we need to persistently pray that God does something. Roger that. So what do we know? We know that we cannot correct what we're unwilling to confront. And so we need to confront, how am I like the judge? And we need to confront how am I like the widow? And we need to be honest about that. Do I, fear about, do I fear God? Do I care about people? 
We also know that Jesus' primary goal is that we would be persistent in prayer. Jesus says that we can be persistent and that if we're committed to the right thing and the right person, that's a very virtuous, noble thing in general, but he applies your persistence specifically to prayer. The English Standard Version read the verse this way. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So as we read this story, we are not to read that God is like the judge, that he's crooked and mean and nasty and unloving and unkind, and we just need to beat him up in our prayers so that we can get what we want. That's not the point of the parable. The point of the parable is that above all judges... When we pray, our requests are going to the capital J judge, the one who judges the heart and the mind and the soul. And when we pray, we're praying to the judge who answers and considers all things honestly and perfectly and justly and with all things, futures in mind. And so when we pray, we're praying to a judge who is completely unlike this judge. And if this woman would persist in her request to a godless judge, how much more should we persist in our prayers to God, the judge? If this judge is unjust, and our God is just, and if this judge is unkind, yet our God is kind, and if this judge is uncaring, yet our God is caring, and if she persists in her request to this bad judge... How much more should we be motivated to continually bring our requests to God, the good judge? Again, we do that in prayer. And so ultimately, under all of this talk about persistence, is an exhortation, an invitation to become a people of prayer. So the rest of our time together, let me just unpack briefly a little bit about prayer because I don't want to assume anything and I don't want to pretend like you have a lot of experience with this. I want you to know that prayer in its simplest form is really just talking to God. And the Bible is how God talks to us and prayer is how we talk to God. And so this is how our relationship with God gets formed through Bible reading and prayer. And it grows through communication, kind of like how all relationships grow. There has to be a two-way conversation of communication. So imagine if you came up to me and asked me about my wife, and I just gave you all the information that you could read on Facebook. Well, she graduated from uh, Fort Hayes, and she got a master's degree in social work, and she played basketball. She's like five foot 11 and violent, and so that helped her out. And uh, she likes Dr. Pepper and ice cream. And she grew up in this little town called Hope. She's a class of 2002. And you're like, well, yeah, I knew all of that. But what is she like? What does she enjoy? What is it that you two talk about? And imagine if I was like, what do you mean talk? We don't talk. I just read about stuff on the internet. And then I ask her friends what she's like. It's like some of those gifts going around online right now. Day two without spores. And I discovered this woman in my house sitting on my couch. Turns out she's my wife. And her favorite color is yellow. Who likes yellow? Nobody likes yellow. Yellow is the worst color ever. But isn't this how our relationship with God can be? We know all this stuff that we read about him. 
or we've heard all this stuff that our friends tell us about him, yet we never have a real relationship with him because we never take the time to invest in talking with him and imploring him with our prayers. And look, I get it. Many people don't persist in prayer because they say that prayer doesn't work, right? It's like, well, I prayed and God didn't perform. But I'm here to tell you that prayer does work. And God does want to answer your prayer. And sometimes he says yes, and sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says later. Because God is like a parent. How many of you parents realize you can't say yes to every request that your kid, excuse me, that your kids make? Sometimes you got to say no. And how many of you all know you would be a horrible parent if your kids come up to you and are like, I want Mountain Dew and bottle rockets, Red Bull bottle rockets in the house at 2 a.m. And you're like, well, it's probably, I mean, we're going to all die from this Corona thing anyway. So yeah, you might as well just blow us up before it happens. And what? Just the other night, my son comes up to me and he says, can I punch you in the face? I was like, what? And Laura said, we watched the three ninjas before you got home. And I was like, no, you can't punch me in the face. No, you can't have Red Bull and bottle rockets in the house. Sometimes you got to say no. And sometimes you got to say later. And just yesterday, it was finally sunny outside. And so Lenny comes up to me and says, let's go swimming. I want to go swimming. Let's go to Mimi and Papa's and go swimming. And the sun is finally out. So that means swimming in her little brain. And so she puts on her swimsuit and it's like 10 degrees outside. I mean, literally below freezing. And so I'm like, I'm opposed to pneumonia. So how about later? It's not no, later, like months later. God is like that. God is a father. The Bible says, and like a good parent, he has three options when we make a request. Yes, no, and later. So Jesus is saying one of the reasons that you might need to persist in prayer is because God's answer might be later. Additionally, prayer does work even if what we ask for is a no. Because prayer always has two purposes. Usually our primary purpose is that we move the hand of God. But God's primary purpose oftentimes is that he wants to mold our heart. So you may say to him, well, prayer doesn't work. God didn't do what I told him. Well, by definition, being God means you don't have to say yes to everything and do whatever you're told. I mean, it's not like God is in heaven going, well, I didn't do what they said. I should have done what they said. Who am I to argue? God does not ever have to do anything that we ask him to do. He's God. We're not. So sometimes when we pray, we, things might not change and people might not change. But you do. You change. When you persist in prayer, all of a sudden you become increasingly in character, more like Jesus. And you can't say that this prayer didn't work because they didn't change and things didn't change because God might be saying, well, I wanted you to change. And that was the purpose of the prayer. And so here's what I want you to think about. Think about your prayer life over these past seven days. Think about all the things that you've prayed for this last week. Assuming you've prayed, what things have you prayed for this last week? Do you have that in your mind? The reason I want you to think about the things that you've prayed for over this past week, and I want you to answer yourself this question. How would the world look different if God answered all my requests the way I wanted? If God answered all my requests in the affirmative for my prayers in the past week, how would the world look different? Because here's my fear. My fear is you'll have won the lottery and you'll have got that dream house, and you'll got that dream spouse, 
and you've got that dream 4x4 Chevy 2500 truck, and you'll end up just like the judge, your own mini God. So jot this down, and then we're done. When you lose your why, you'll lose your way. When you lose your why, you'll always lose your way. What's your why? Is it justice? Like the widow? Is it to be your own God? Like the judge? Is it somewhere in between? And at the end of the parable, Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find anybody who is faithful? Is that you? Are you faithful? Are you persistent in your prayers? What's your why? Who are you going to fight for? That's what Jesus is asking. When he comes back, are you going to be the people who are doing the things that he's asked you to do? Love God and love people. Galatians 6, 9 reminds us, Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if what? If we don't give up. You can't give up. This is an unprecedented time in human history. And God is asking you to do two things. Care about his people and never give up in that care and persist in prayer. Two things. Persist in prayer, persist in helping other people. Are you going to be one of the faithful few that God finds when he returns? God, to that end, we come to you now in prayer asking you to reveal to us in our hearts who are we like? We like the judge? Are we like the widow? We know we can't correct what we're unwilling to confront. And we're asking you to help reveal to us what's our why? Who do we need to be fighting for? What do we need to be pursuing after? God, do what only you can do. And speak to us to that end. Help encourage us. Give us strength in this strange time that we're living on. And we do not have a spirit of fear, God. We know that you're in control. We want to trust you. We're confused. We're perplexed. But we know that you can work all things together for good. For those that love you and are called according to your purpose. So God, help us. Help encourage us. Help find ways to communicate to each other. Help us put people on our hearts as they need help. And if you need help, please don't hesitate in reaching out to us. If you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, please click on this button here online. I would love to get in touch with you when I'm done here and can help in whatever way I can. But somebody is live right now to help you. God, we want to be a church not that meets in a physical location, but that's out in the world helping your people. And we believe in Jesus and his power that he died for us and that he's forgiven us and that when you look down, you see him and the work that he's done on our behalf. And this was a free gift of salvation. We can't earn it. We accept it. Now help us change and grow more like him. We ask all this in his beautiful name. Amen.